Episode 195 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks with a 30-day free trial just for you. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Three years ago, I tried to write the book. I tried to write it like your typical nonfiction, personal development, success book, and I hated it. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. This is the last episode of the Read to Lead podcast for 2017. (laughs) We will have more, I promise. Uh, As long as I'm breathing, we will have more. Each and every week, we dig into leadership and also topics like personal growth, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, stuff like that. I mentioned last time that both this episode and next week's episode are going to center around setting and achieving goals, especially next week's episode. But that's going to be a big part of my conversation today with Mark Schinnerer as well. He's the author of The Success Grower, Eight Down-to-Earth Elements for Achieving Your Goals. I'll be asking Mark first to share some tips for leading effectively in a cross-generational environment. Also, how you can design the life you want, as well as conquering limiting beliefs and a lot more. Mark's story is an interesting one. He's been impacted by former guests of the Read to Lead podcast, people like Carrie Oberbrunner and Donald Miller, both of whom have impacted his journey of writing the book that we're going to talk about today. And he's also a member of Read to Lead University, our members-only book club, where we read a book together each month and come together at the end of the month to discuss it as a group and help one another apply its concepts. And in fact, we'll be kicking off 2018 with the book being featured on next week's episode, a book called Your Best Year Ever by Michael Hyatt. You can find out more about Read to Lead University, by the way, by going to readtoleaduniversity.com. Well, with tax time just around the corner, I'm reminded of how much I used to really dread uh, that time of, of, of year. It's, it's not like I run around the house excited about it now, but I'm a lot less unexcited about it <laughs> than I used to be. And that has a lot to do with the cloud accounting software that I use. It just makes getting ready for things like that so much simpler. I'm talking, of course, about our sponsor, uh, FreshBooks. If, if you're new to the show and you're thinking to yourself, is, is Jeff just saying that because they're sponsoring the show? Absolutely not. Uh, I've been using FreshBooks in my business since I since I started a side hustle way back in, in 2009. I've never used anything else, never needed anything else. But FreshBooks, I swear by it uh, and stand behind it and am a really dedicated user of their service. You can try it out free for 30 days as a listener to Read to Lead when you go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. You get access to all of FreshBooks features during that trial period, and you can make a decision after using it as to whether or not you want to keep using it. It's a great way to try it out and see if it's right for your business. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash 
read to lead and then be sure to enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section one more time that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead well through his speaking coaching facilitating and writing mark schinnerer helps individuals and organizations identify their strengths and their goals and their motivations for achieving them mark has worked on his own personal growth journey ever since he left the farm to go off to college and today his growth journey has led him to investing in the dreams and goals of others as founder of The Success Grower, which serves individuals seeking to grow their own successful life. Mark's new book is called The Success Grower, Eight Down-to-Earth Elements for Achieving Your Goals. Mark, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I'm really honored to be here today. Well, I want to ask you first how you decided upon writing a, a business parable. This is sort of in the vein of, uh, for those who know Augmandino or or previous guests we've had here on the podcast, uh, authors like Andy Andrews with The Traveler's Gift and The Noticer and The Noticer Returns, or somebody like a Bob Berg who's written The Go-Giver. What prompted you uh, to share your insights you've learned over these last few decades in, in parable form? I've had the idea of a book for about nine years now, and I wrote on paper what I would have considered chapters, and I was using concepts from growing up on the farm. And mm. So I was taking farming analogies and concepts, because to be a successful farmer, you have to do certain things in the certain order to make things work. Mm. So I had concepts of all the things I've been learning over my lifetime about personal growth and development and success, matching them with these farming analogies to, to help maybe people could understand it better. So I carried that around with me for eight or nine years. And uh, three years ago, I tried to write the book. Mm. I tried to write it like your typical nonfiction, <laughs> personal development success book. And I hated it. I wrote <laughs> maybe a couple of chapters. It sounded like every other book that was on my shelf that mm. I could just go pull off the shelf and read. Little did I real understand at the time that my own personal experience in that same format would be very valid. Mm. But for me, the book was very boring, and I said, stop. So I stopped. A couple of years ago, I was riding back home from Nebraska with my son, and I said, hey, I want to write a book. He said, well, tell me about the book. And I said, okay. So I told him that book. I asked him, I said, would you read that book? And he went, no, I wouldn't read that book. <laughs> and he, he was 27 at the time. And I said, okay, I have another idea for the book. And I told him a story about a guy that was in college, finishing his junior year, didn't know what he was going to do, took off across the country for the summer, spent three months, found this farmer who taught him these elements of success. And then he created a life plan and went back to college and finished his college degree and became successful in his life. And I looked at my son and I said, would you read that book? He said, yeah, I'd read that book. So I said, okay. So the book is similar to that. It's not a college kid because most people can't relate to three months off. So it is a guy who is working in a job and he's got a couple of weeks vacation. And because of circumstances on the job, he gets frustrated and leaves. And so that's how I got to that book. And as, as you listed them all, I started my reading career actually out of college reading Augmandino's mm. The Greatest Success in the World. And then I read Andy Andrews' books and Bob Berg's books. So I, I like story. I've been following Donald Miller and his story brand, mm -hmm. and it works. And just oddly, when I sat down to actually write the book, that's what came out is that story. So I think it's just because I'm so focused on story in my work. I work for nonprofit, and we tell a lot of stories about the individuals we serve. Mm. 
And I think that's just where my head was at the time. And it was an easier book to read than a typical nonfiction book. And that also, didn't it make it an easier book for you to write a much easier book? If I'm not mistaken, you wrote it, I think, from start to finish, what, in about three months or so, something like that? Yeah, it was about three months. In fact, I was sitting here for the last two years talking to a friend about the book and the story about the book. And one day, I think he got tired of listening to me. He said, Mark, (laughs) start writing tomorrow. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll start writing tomorrow. And he said, and give me an update every Wednesday so I can see where you're going. Mm. He made me start and he held me accountable. But I started in March. I didn't even have an idea of how I was going to publish the book. I was just writing the book. Well, then I got hooked up with Kerry Oberbrunner and his Author Academy Elite publishing company in May, finished the book in June, and was holding the book in September. It took me, (laughs) Jeff, only about 100 days to write the book. Mm. And I missed two days because I was traveling. And I've had to learn I can't really tell people that story without the rest of the story. Mm. Because some people who are trying to write books get really, really frustrated and say, oh, it only took me 100 days. That's not true. It took me eight years (laughs) to write the book. Mm, mm. It took me 100 days to transcribe the story that was in my head. I didn't struggle any day with, oh, gosh, what comes next? Okay, what's Alan going to do now? What's Mm. the next? I didn't. It just flowed. I just typed. Mm. Yeah, sat in my chair with my iPad, and I just typed. And it just came out that way. And when I was done, it was one big, long document with no chapters. Mm. And I had to go back and break it up into chapters so you could actually read the thing. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to state up here up front that I've devised questions in such a way that I don't believe I'm going to uh, give away any major plot points. But early in the book, the main character is dealing with uh, some new blood and struggling with that. Those pesky millennials who come into the workplace and expect you to be heard without ever having earned their, their stripes, uh, etc. Uh, I'd be curious to know, Mark, what has been the toughest part for you uh, over your career in gelling with, uh, say, younger, less experienced staff as they come into, into the workplace? Well, for so many years, and, and I'm a baby boomer, so yeah, I'm right there with all the rest of us baby boomers who have been frustrated <laughs> and sometimes exhausted by them. There's certain characteristics that are just really irritating, I would say, but I soon realized in in, in the business that I'm in here, I have a lot of individuals in that young age category. I've come to learn to recognize the talents and the skills that they have and the abilities that they have. Mm. And I've learned how to use their eagerness to learn by giving them some interesting opportunities and leveraging that eagerness to learn and grow and even lead to see what they're capable of doing because they want to. Mm. They come to the job today with a lot more knowledge and insight that they're able to really quickly find answers. You know, when when I was growing up and I entered the workforce, it was a different society. Um, We didn't have easy access to information. That was all kept within the confines of the hierarchy structure of our companies. And Mm. that's why it was so much put in your time, follow the steps, work your way up, and someday you'll succeed and then you can retire. Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. And the millennials or the younger folks today, they're different because they can get their hands on information very, very quickly. And so I have decided to use that capability and I find it best to learn what they want to know, what they want. 
I want to find out who they are and what their dreams and goals are, what they're interested in. I know that eventually they're going to leave me because they want new opportunities. They want new challenges. They want to grow personally, where back when I was coming up, it was just, it was just a different society, different work, different workplace. So I want to teach them. I want to teach them what they need to learn. I want to teach them what they want to learn. I want to take advantage of their skills and their knowledge and give them opportunities to grow personally and professionally or in their career, because that will make them a better employee for me. Mm. I also want to make them a better employee for the next employer that they're going to have. And they'll turn around and say, he was really great to work for because I know they're going to leave. I know I'm not going to get to keep them. So I might as well make them be the best they can be, get the most out of them. And, you know, an offshoot of that is I just might get to keep them for an extra year or two because they kind of like that. I was in my early 30s before I really wrapped my head around the value and benefits of being a lifelong learner. I've said on this podcast before that when I left college, my attitude was, I'm glad that's over. I don't have to learn anymore. You know, that part of that part yeah. of life is now in the past and I can I yeah. can I can go ahead. Share a bit about your belief, uh, Mark, in the, in, in the importance of, of being a lifelong learner. I grew up on a farm. Uh, the at the time, the only boy with four sisters. I, <laughs> I now have a brother, but he's sixteen years younger than I am. Mm. Um, so I, I didn't really grow up with him. So I was pretty much of a loner. I spent a lot of time with my dog running around the farm. And for me, when I got out of college, I realized I needed to change who I was. I was pretty shy, um, a lot introverted, and I decided I needed to work on me. Some people find that kind of weird that I spent 35 years working on me, but I think we should never stop. <laughs> mm. We can always learn and grow. So I started reading. I started reading Ogmandino's book was, I think, one of the first ones I read. And just continue reading over these last, I don't know, 35 years. And so it's very important in my life to continue learning, continue pushing myself and reading I don't always read to get knowledge, but I read to get understanding and just to have concepts around me all the time. I saw recently there was a survey done by the Pew Research Center, and they found that um, 87% of workers think it will be essential for them to get training and to develop new skills throughout their whole work life so that they can keep up with all the changes that are coming. Uh, we've seen so many changes in our society so much in the last just a few years. There's a lot of automation coming that's going to take over blue-collar jobs. Um, artificial intelligence is just on the horizon, and that one actually scares me to death. <laughs> and now we're seeing a huge move into the gig economy where full-time jobs are being replaced by part-time contractors. So everything's changing, and if we don't continue to learn new skills to have new knowledge put in our head, we're going to fall behind. And it's not that easy to catch back up if you fall behind. And one of my favorite quotes from Mark's book says that success isn't measured in the end result. It's measured in the little progress you make every day and the course changes or, or course corrections you make when, when faced with an obstacle. Uh, I think what you're saying there, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's as much the journey as anything, right? It actually is. I relate that back to, to growing up on the farm. You know, you plant a seed in the ground and you have to water it and fertilize it and cultivate it and nurture it to grow. You can't go one day from putting a seed in the ground to tomorrow having a harvest. It's a process. It's the same way in our lives when we're setting goals or we're trying to achieve any kind of an outcome. 
it's a process. And when you get to the end, if you just are were only focused on the end, it's almost a letdown because like, wow, okay, that's really cool and that happened, but then it's over. <laughs> you have to really understand that it's the journey that you're taking. I see so many people focused on that end goal, but it's really the journey. You know, um, David Cassidy died recently. Mm. And you, you probably saw where his daughter tweeted out his final four words. His final four words were so much wasted time. And that tells me, you know, first of all, don't get to the end of your life and decide that you should have done something different. That tells me that he spent too much time either basking in his early fame or you know, living off his name, focused too much on his career and not enough on those people that were around him and just enjoying the process of life so much focused on getting you know, the next tag of fame or whatever it might be. Um, I tell people all the time, don't let life just happen. You got to take charge of your life. And you've got to live that journey that you're on because that's what's important and the people that go with you on it. You're either growing or you're dying. There's no step in the middle. Mm, that's powerful. Uh, and to your point about David Cassidy, all the research that I've read says that people in that phase of life, uh, toward the end of their days, when they think about their regrets, it's not regrets for things that they did. It's regrets for the things they didn't do. That's right. Even criminals who had been in prison. It's not regret for what they did to end up in prison. It's regret for all those things that they could have done, should have done. And by then, it usually revolves around family and relationships. Well, the character uh, Tom in the book at one point says, we don't teach anyone they can design the life they want. Now, this was, was true for, for my generation, certainly. Uh, I, I didn't approach life uh, that way or didn't think of, of my abilities to... to design my own life. And I think that's still true in large part today. But but how is that concept, Mark, different than simply telling a kid, you know what, you can be whatever you want to be if you just put your mind to it? Well, first, I see it as the next step. You, you certainly should tell a kid you can be what you want to be because so many times we don't. Mm-hmm. We, we don't tell people that you can do that. You can be that. Um, I would go so far as to say, you know, I never really had that in my life growing up. And, and that's not a negative reflection on my parents. One time I do remember I was in sixth grade standing at the blackboard trying to do a math problem. I wasn't good at math and tears coming down my face because I couldn't get it done. And the substitute teacher walks up, puts her hand on my shoulder and says, Mark, you can do this. And so I worked through it and I got through it. And it, it was like, you know, you just need somebody to say you can, somebody to believe in you. Mm. We teach we teach you how to read. We teach you how to write. We teach you how to drive a car and get a job. But who teaches you how to succeed in life? That's the question I ask. Hmm. Who teaches you how to set goals and design the life that you want instead of just living the life that you're going to get? We don't do that. And so I think it's important you tell that kid you can be whatever you want to be. But now you've got to lead them. You've got to teach them. You've got to open up their eyes and their mind to the possibilities that they can have more. It's not enough to just let life happen. That's kind of my theme. You got to take charge of your life and create the kind of life that you want. And it all starts by writing it down on paper. Yeah. And making sure you're, you're, you're logging those, those baby steps, if you will, that, that need to be taken in between those milestones that then lead to, to that bigger thing. Um, uh, Mark, share your experience, if you would, your personal experience, say with, with, with limiting beliefs and, and how you've seen them hold you or, or others back and, and, and how you've successfully dealt with some of those. I was coaching a woman recently who she's got a pretty big dream that she would like to accomplish. 
and she was working on her goals to get there. And she said to me, she said, I really want this bad. She said, I can see it, but I hear my mother. And I said, what do you mean you can hear your mother? Because she's about my age and her mother has been dead for a number of years. She looked at me with a sad look on her face and she said, you know, every time that I have an idea that I want to accomplish something, I hear my mother say to me, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. But her mother's been dead for years, so she's living with a belief that her mother planted in her her mind long time ago. She's limiting her success because of her dead mother. And how many times do we let people do that to us? How many times do we live our life because of what somebody else tells us we are or we can't be? For me, it was continually facing the thought that I'm not smart enough or good enough. Hmm. And thinking back on that, you know, it probably came from things growing up in my childhood. And, and I know you just recently talked about the book. Was it The, the Big Leap? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that book just last week, and it opened my eyes to some things that are right along this line. But that's why, to me, reading for me is so important. And then I've always taken the opportunity to raise my hand, to volunteer, to tell people, yes, I'll help you do that project. Yes, I'll sit on that board. Because I realized back in 1995 that my goal in life is to help others be successful. Whether it's in my job, a board I'm sitting on, an event that we're putting on, I I do it to help other people. And so I forced myself to create a new belief that I can do these things, that I am good enough. Does that old thought go away? No, it never (laughs) does. But, you know, you just kind of listen to it and raise your hand again and say, yes, I can do that and take the next step. And I'm sure that that process can be helped when you have someone uh, like a mentor in your life, somebody who's helping walk you through that process, like you were for that young woman you mentioned a moment ago. How have you gone about bringing mentors into your life, Mark, for the right need at, at the right time? You know, I've had several mentors over the years, um, both for my personal life and, and career. And at times I've had to be a little strategic about finding the right person mm. uh, because I need to find the right person that's growing ahead of me. Um, I think too often we find people that we want to be a mentor that is just like us. And that really doesn't get you anywhere. So Mm. I've had to, sometimes I've struggled to find a mentor when I really needed one. Um, But if I keep looking and and keep, you know, questioning, then those opportunities will open up, lead me to the next person that I need. I'm going to say this, it's going to sound really weird, but sometimes I find them on podcasts like (laughs) this one, Jeff, because sometimes the right mentor I haven't found yet with the information that I'm looking for, and the podcast world is amazing with Mm. all the information that's available out there. So you can't have a two-way conversation, but interestingly, if you listen to a podcast, it's like you become friends with that person, that they're your friend, Mm. because you've asked them to come into your life. So I also use that. It's, It's not the ideal, but it's a way to grow and some knowledge. So for me, it's kind of sometimes been a struggle finding the right person who, you know, is that much farther ahead than on the path where I want to be. We talked a moment ago about uh, limiting beliefs, uh, and I think this question sort of uh, springboards from that uh, a little bit. Uh, what have you learned over the years, Mark, about the, the importance of, of having the proper mindset, and, and, and what are some techniques or strategies you use to ensure you've sort of you know, got your head on straight, if you will? In order for us to achieve big things in our life, we have to believe that we can grow and improve ourselves those ideas that we put in our 
our mind that we want to achieve, we have to continue to make sure we we put the information in our mind that can help us learn to expand and grow on those opportunities. I think to make sure that you have your head on straight, you need to first listen to what you're saying to yourself. Mm. Our self-talk is the worst sometimes. It's real easy to say, oh, I, I don't think I can do it. I know I'll fail or I'm not smart enough. And if you do that, you certainly will get that result. So you need to change what you say to yourself. You know, maybe maybe you can say, I've never done that before, but I'll get the information I need to do it. Or I've never done it before, but I will I will try it or I will take the next step. To me, you've got to change the narrative about yourself that goes on in your head. Just some of the techniques and strategies that, that I use uh, is, one, I'll take a break. I like to garden. Mm-hmm. So when I get home, I'll go spend time in the garden. Um, here where I work, we've got a horticulture department with some greenhouses. I'll go take a walk to the greenhouse uh, because I'm a gardener. I'm a grower. I love to be around the plants. Um, it also helps to find somebody to talk problems out with, to talk through the situation and come up with new solutions. And then I use visioning a lot, looking to see what the desired goal and outcome is I want and then focus on that. So all of those are steps that I use to kind of help keep it real and keep my head straight. Well, we talked a little bit about mentors, individuals who can come alongside you and, and help walk you through uh, maybe what would otherwise be some hurdles. But let's let's talk about doing that in, in maybe group form. How have you found being involved in in mastermind groups, Mark, has, has impacted your journey toward reaching your, your biggest and, and, and most lofty goals? I like to be challenged. Um, I like the direct accountability that the group holds you to. Um, for me, it's harder to let people down who are close to me or a friend than it is to let myself down. Sometimes it's easier just to, to let ourselves down and go on. Mm. Um, I need to be pushed with a goal or a deadline. If I'm not, then I just kind of sit there and don't do anything. So I need to be held accountable for it. And I know that's the case uh, for me. I, I like what you said about uh, it's, it's easier, often too easy to let ourselves down. But when it comes to friends and others who are looking to us, we can often work a little, a little harder for those folks. And being in a mastermind group like I'm in right now, uh, I've seen that you know firsthand. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions, Mark, that aren't uh, directly related to the book. Before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure, any concepts you want to make sure we know? Well, since I used a farming analogy in the story, I like to think it's important to be aware of, I call them the weeds Mm. that come up in our lives. It's one thing I talk about in the book, and one thing I I point out that there's three types of weeds. First are the weeds that we plant, and that's the beliefs that we have, the habits that we we have, and our self-talk. Others are the weeds that other people plant, and that's where we get the advice from people who say, you know, you're not going to be comfortable doing that. They try to keep you in their comfort zone, or they try to project their own fears on you. Mm. And when you start pushing towards your goals, it makes them feel bad about themselves because they gave up on their dreams a long time ago. Those are some tough weeds to overcome. And then there's the weeds that lie dormant. It's it's the economy, it's policies and rules, it's customer demands. Those you either have to find a way around them or des- decide to take a different path. And sometimes that's challenging, but those are weeds that we can't do anything about and and they lie there until we kind of come up against them. Well, you, you've you mentioned a couple of books along the journey. Uh, I'd be curious to know what are those top books over your, your years reading that, that you come back to again and again that have had the major impact on you? Is it the Augmandinos and uh, Bob Berg's of the world? Are there others? You know, one that I read recently, it came out last fall, was Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand. And I've kind of listened to and followed him, and I took his, his online story brand course. And I think that's really what helped me write the book in the fashion that it is. But I still go back every year or so and read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's just a really good book with a lot of the concepts that we all talk about every single day that we use to succeed in life. And then a different kind of book is Seth 
Godin's book, What to Do When It's Your Turn. And it's got a subtitle, and it's always your turn. <laughs> it's about having freedom to do new things and put ideas into action. And, you know, maybe you're going to create a blog or start a new business. And he's saying, you can. Today, you can. You've got the freedom to do that. You know, for me, who had ever thought I'd write a book? You know, my friend, Chad, he told me, start writing today. And, oh, my gosh, you're holding the book now. So, you know, that's just really cool. <laughs> Indeed it is. I'm excited for you. I've had a, sort of an inside uh, view of that journey. It's been fun to, fun to watch. Well, well, finally, Mark, I'm curious to know, now that the book is out, it's been out for a few months anyway, what, what's next for you? What are you and your team working on now that, that you're excited about? Um, right now, what we're working on is putting together a video series, really, of the Success Grower Framework, the eight elements that are in the book. Because not everybody will be able to attend a seminar or workshop where mm -hmm. we take a really intense, deep dive into those eight elements and work through them to create a plan, an individual plan for the goals that you want in your life. So the video series will allow anyone to work through them at their own pace in their own home. Also, we're looking at, we're opening up the calendar for 2018 uh, to schedule seminars and workshops as well as the coaching programs that I offer to, to work with people on an individual basis on their own goals and their dreams and what processes they want to create in their life to achieve success that they want. And I always start with belief. Most of us don't have enough belief in ourselves, And so I tell people, I believe you can take some of mine until your belief is big enough. I like that. Well, the book, again, is called The Success Grower, Eight Down-to-Earth Elements for Achieving Your Goals. The author, again, is Mark Schinnerer. Thank you, Mark, for taking time to be here. I know you're a little bit under the weather, uh, so we especially appreciate you giving of your time and, and, and working through that cough you, you were trying oh so hard to suppress. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's been an honor and it's been a pleasure to be able to be on your podcast. Thanks. The Success Grower makes learning these eight down-to-earth, achieving-your-goal elements a lot of fun. In fact, I actually teared up twice while reading this book. No joke. You can find a link to that and the other books and resources that Mark and I talked about at the show notes page created just for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 195 for episode 195. If you'd like to join us as 2018 gets underway in the Read to Lead University Book Club, you can go to readtoleaduniversity.com to find out more about that. And consider giving cloud accounting software FreshBooks a try. It's free for 30 days. Simply go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. As I mentioned earlier, I'm excited to present to you next week's guest, someone who I've wanted to have on the show since it started. That's Michael Hyatt. We'll talk with him about his book, Your Best Year Ever, a five-step plan for achieving your most important goals. Well, that's going to do it for this week and for 2017. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.